Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Business in Heels podcast. And in this episode, it is chapter two. We spend some time this afternoon speaking to the second group of panelists, the authors that have contributed to Business in Heels' latest book, Renewal, Lived and Learned Advice to Give. So we're going to spend a little bit of time with each of the authors to find out what inspired them to contribute their chapter, as well as maybe a snippet about what to expect from each of their chapters. So we'll start with you today, Anne. So you are a coach, you're an inspiring leader and facilitator and owner of To Empower Coaching. And this was a quote that I believe is in your chapter. With laser with laser sharp focus and a load of hard work, I had it all by the time I was 28. And just when I thought life couldn't get better, it all came crashing down. And share a little bit more about what inspired you to share your chapter. Oh, thanks, Anne-Marie. And it's wonderful to be here with the others. Um, I believe that we can all learn and grow by hearing other people's stories. And what I found as I was sharing my story verbally with people was so many other women going, you know, I've struggled with that too. And um, even in times in my own life when I felt, am I the only person that feels like this? Am I the only person that's struggling with a particular issue? That when we share our story, then we don't feel quite as alone. Um, and what I realized was how much we can support and help one another by sharing our stories and, and creating a community. Um, and so when this opportunity came up, I thought, you know, how great to be able to share with other women and in the process help them hopefully yeah absolutely and so true isn't it one of the things that uh, i'm sure you found being a woman and i'm sure uh, some of the people you've coached too and are women is that so often whenever we go through a certain experience or a challenge or just life's journey we can often feel that we're alone we're the only person that has gone through such an experience and then being able to read about that someone else has gone through that um oh, I'm not alone. And if she can get through that, then that there's opportunity, there's possibility for me too. So as someone reads your chapter, Anne, what would be some takeaways that you would love people to take away with them as they travel their journey? I think a big thing that I struggled with in the beginning was there was quite a lot of shame around what happened. Um, and I felt... I felt guilty. I felt, how did I not see what was going on? Um, and I also felt that I'd gone down this path of, um, you know, the career. You go to university, you get a good degree, you get a good job, you earn money, you get a great house. You get. And I was very ambitious in my 20s. Um, and then when the tragedy happened, um, I suddenly none of that mattered and none of it was important. And so I think one of the first things is what really matters to you in life. Um, so to really think about that, what, what's going to be your legacy? What are the things you're going to be proud of? Um, and it isn't necessarily how big your house is or how fast your cat is. <laughs> um, and I think also that even if you 
feel that you're blaming yourself for everything that went wrong because I think as women we're very good at doing that um to then look around and say you know actually um even if I feel shame and guilt um was it really all my fault and of course it never is um and how do we admit to that and face up to that and work through that um and there are some tips in my book about what I did and on my story how how I actually worked through the, the process of, of dealing with the, the, the tragedy. Yeah. I love the way that you're really uh, modeling that because what you've said there about is so true isn't it there can be an event or a circumstance that has happened and that in itself and by itself is enough really to have us have to take a step back and say, I really need to work on this or through this because if I don't, I know that I could, you know, continue to um, to just carry that throughout the rest of my life. But then what we tend to do as women, uh, we bring the guilt and we bring the shame and, and so forth, you know, of course, you've got some wonderful steps that you'll share in the, the story in your, about your chapter about how you uh, dealt with that. I wonder, and through your life's journey, how important and significant has it been for you um, hearing and learning uh, from others who perhaps have gone before? Maybe not this particular challenge and the tragedy you went through, but maybe others. Have that been impactful for you in your life? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I think... The journey I went through completely even changed my um, path in life because I thought I was going to be a high flyer in the, this large corporation for a long time. Um, but actually what happened was I left and I went into voluntary work for four years. And that was one of the ways of kind of working through the grief. Um, and the people that I met there, um, it's interesting sometimes we think we're going to help others and they help us more <laughs> um, and then I did turn to a lot of um, self-help books and gurus that were out there all around you know our mindset and the, the mind-body connection and you know how we can use the mind to shift the body when we feel a bit stuck and how we can use the body to shift the mind when we feel a bit depressed um, and yes, yeah, so there are gurus out there that I followed in the, the positive psychology field and they inspired me to get into that and to learn and to, to help other women um, with that. And But it's not always the gurus. Sometimes it can just be, you know, someone that you're working with. Often I'm working with women and I'm, they'll say something really wise and I think oh golly I can learn from that and you know she she's doing this so I should be doing this <laughs> yeah. it's wonderful isn't it that you know all of you women and we're going to hear from Olga and Nancy in a moment as well but all of the other authors have really been courageous that's what we said in the other interview for sharing your stories because some of them kind of before they said yes to contributing uh, should I do I really want to uh, to share mm -hmm. my story but one of the things that I think each and every one of you and I'm certainly hearing this from you Anne as well is that when we have a circumstance, a tragedy, something that's happened, you know, so often we assume that I should be able to just pick myself up and move forward for this. And not every one of us are the same. You know, someone may be able to do that. Others need support. But how wonderful it is when we recognise that when we are 
gentle on ourselves, giving ourselves the space, uh, surrounding ourselves with others that can lift us up and that can share advice like each and every one of you are doing through your chapters. That's important. And how is it important has that been? Giving yourself the time and the, the grace and the space, I should say, uh, to be able to heal, you know, through through that. How important has that been? Look, it's huge. And I wasn't very good at it at the beginning because I was this corporate girl who thought she could deal with anything. And actually, when I went to do the volunteering, it sounds very altruistic, but I was actually just running away um, because I couldn't cope with, with the circumstances that I found myself in at home. And I think it was only with time. Um, and they say time is a great healer. And we're not always ready in the beginning to, you know, I... Like, I didn't want to share my story. And you're right, it's quite challenging because you think, oh, it's, it's not all a really nice story. <laughs> um, but life is tough. And I think one of the problems with the self-help industry is we keep telling everybody that they should be happy. But I think actually if we say, you know what, every day is tough. And if at the end of that day you say, I got through today, um, and there was a bit of joy in that day, then then you should really give yourself a, a big pat in the back. Yeah, <laughs> um, instead of we tend to think we should be happy all the time and when we're not, that, that then there's something missing or something wrong with us. Or, um, mm. Brilliant, brilliant. I love that you've really confirmed that. It's so important, isn't it? to take the time and so many books, so many resources, we hear about the successes and so forth. We never really hear or get to explore um, the challenges that have overcome. And, and I know so many other incredible women with stories such as yourselves, they think, well, this may have been a success. This is a success story because I got through on the other end. But there has been so many trials, so many situations where I just felt like falling on a heap. And when we realise that, hey, I'm experiencing that too, I'm not alone, others have gone through it, uh, it really does validate the importance of how often we're so tough on ourselves. We wouldn't expect it of others, would we? If, if that was no. a girlfriend or, or a family right. member, a daughter, uh, we would give them that that space. Yeah. So what would be that one thing that you would love to share with people as we finish uh, this wonderful opportunity to speak with you, And If someone is really struggling with such a significant challenge or even a tragedy, what would be one thing that you would want to share? Other than, hey, grab a copy of this book because there, there's some great steps in there. What would you say to her? I think reach out, reach out and ask for help. Like I, I saw that as a weakness um, and really it's not, and I should have done it sooner. I would have saved myself a number of years of misery. Um, and my chapter, the, the title is around a, a quote that I came up with myself because it's how I feel that success is a feeling on the inside. It's not a look on the outside. And that was my journey, really. I went from feeling successful because I had all this material gain, but I wasn't happy, to then realizing that success is a feeling on the inside. When you feel good about yourself and your life, that's that's success to me. Yeah, so, so true. Well, thank you for spending some time with us uh, today, Anne, and sharing just a snippet of uh, the golden nuggets that you, along with the others, are sharing in each and every one of your chapters. So thank you so much.
A pleasure. Thank you. All right, Nancy, let's bring you up to have a little bit of a sneak peek into the chapter that you wrote. So a little bit about you. I'm going to condense your your intro because you have, have just like all of the other authors, an impressive uh, background. But you are a business leader. You are a mentor and culture transformation expert with extensive experience in scientific and system thinking, organizational excellence, quality management, and integrated management systems. Now, a snippet, a quote from your chapter in the book is, I would have been perceived as a dominant, tough and unempathetic colleague and manager. So Nancy, what inspired you to share your chapter? Uh, first, uh, hello everyone, uh, I'm Marie Olga and I'm very pleased to be with you here today sharing my story a little bit. What inspired me is mainly, um, contrary to what you hear in the code, I'm an introvert person initially. So I don't like to share a lot about what I do, how I do things, how I think. But I'm also, uh, on the other side, I'm an excellent uh, professional. And that stood out in my career. And uh, starting a new job and a new country initially with a new culture, it was a big challenge for me. And as a woman, um, I think we still have this everywhere that if you are a woman and you speak up and you have kind of a different tone, you're perceived differently right, from the others. From the from the the men uh, in the room so i struggled with that i struggled because i needed to pass uh, the message i had i needed to share with the people my thoughts and my ideas and in the same time be able to uh, make them uh, perform and that was a big uh, issue for me initially that inspired me to share this because for years i struggled with that i struggled with the definition of dominant with the definition of power with the definition of excellence itself uh, in the workspace uh, with the relationships and that's what uh, I think pushed me to to write this uh, this article uh, this uh, chapter um, mainly because I was challenged a lot and I needed to come uh, to a place where I feel in peace with myself. I like what Anne said earlier about the success, and uh, the success is defined by by us finally by whatever we feel is a success. But we have to be also um, kind of in peace with that ourselves, and people has to appreciate it. So that was kind of the dilemma I was in, and I needed to clear that. And I think the chapter helped me to put that um, in, a, in a good way um, out for everyone to, to learn from. Yeah. You know, as you were sharing uh, the reasons why you contributed to the chapter and gave us a bit of a snapshot as to some of the things that you'd experienced in your career, I couldn't help thinking about many of the other conversations that I've had with women who too have been you know, in environments where they were one of a very small handful of women working in um, you know that particular corporate space and how so often they had to not just show up at work and to do a great you know um, great contrib contribution to the team but there were a lot of other hurdles that they had to go through to even get there and be there and, and be heard I wonder Nancy uh, I know that this chapter is going to be incredibly helpful for many women who are in a position that you may have been in many years ago what are you hoping uh, that women will take away as the, the advice but some of the insights that um, you would want them to learn and know about so that they could move forward in their careers what are some of those things you'd hope they'd take away from reading your chapter um, I think that the most important for me is for women to understand that um, their self-confidence is very important um, they, this should not be shaken by the things happening around. They need to look at how people perceive them, but also be able to understand uh, their strengths, 
um, and their weaknesses too, of course, but mainly focus on the strengths uh, that we have in us as women. I think it's uh, one of the also the things I want them to take away is that um, we struggle maybe more women with emotional intelligence than men. Uh, we're less assertive. We have that uh, struggle on daily basis. Uh, if you look at the latest articles about um, emotional intelligence, they talk more about self-awareness, not just self-control, uh, self-awareness, awareness of others. I think we have that strong in us, women, uh, but the fact that we are mothers, we uh, we, 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 we take care of the family a little bit more than the men still do at these, um, these times. That we need to cherish that, we need to be able to, uh, to use it uh, in a positive way in our environment. And I think it's important to keep that in front of our eyes, not to lose our self-confidence, not to, um, to question ourselves a lot. Uh, it's important to do that, to improve. I think from, a, from an excellence perspective, we always look at continuous improvement. But uh, on the other side, it's important to realize that we have, if we know ourselves well, if we know others well, we should be able to do the things right and we should not be challenged to the extent that we break our um, our confidence and our trust in what we can do. And I think this is important for everyone to keep in front um, of his eyes when he's doing work, either in, in, at the corporate level or even in professional way, sometimes we have that stress which is shaken by different things that happens around us. So that yeah, would be so, so so valuable. So many golden nuggets and everything that you're sharing. And of course, uh, Anne has too. You spoke about uh, two things I want to dive a little bit deeper into because I'm sure you may have experienced this yourself, but you may find that other women do as well. And you talked about having self-awareness around our strengths. Now, the reason I say this is because I've spoken to many women who could rattle off all of the things that she would love to change about herself, so her weaknesses. But when asking her about strengths, it's like, oh, okay, I need to think about that. How do you think we are faring self-awareness around our strengths? Do you think that we have understood them or that's an area that we really need to focus on so we can be aware of the strengths? Some of those strengths that you spoke about, about self-awareness and about being empathetic to others and just that nurturing female that we often have can often be looked at, well, that's a negative, that's not really beneficial. But now I know that there's a lot of training programs that are helping people to be more aware of others around. So talk a little bit about strengths. How important do you think it is to be aware of the strengths we have and can, can offer to a team? I think it's it's very, very important. It's critical even. Uh, if we if you look at how we develop teams, we look at the strengths of the teams, right? Team members and we put them together. We need to also look at those weaknesses because sometimes they can be very harmful to, to the team and the way the team performs. But mostly we look at the strengths and we try to look what each one can contribute uh, to the team. At a personal level too, I think we all contribute to different things in, 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 in positive ways. And this is where the strengths, the strengths we bring um, to, to, to the group we're working with or on professional level or at a, at a personal level. Uh, it is important because you can leverage these strengths. You can see how you can put them uh, into action in different conditions and different scenarios. Um, the weaknesses will always be there. You have to be always aware also of those uh, weak points which could become problematic at a certain point. But uh, by focusing on your strengths, you can have that um, 
better work environment, I think you can look at uh, how people can contribute uh, together to, to the success of, of the projects they're working on. I talk more about project wise because this is what, what I do. I do a lot of mentoring and coaching, but mostly I work with groups uh, and I try to develop high performing uh, teams. And we look at the strengths. If you look at different educational systems, if you look at different uh, continuous improvement programs, they focus on that. We tend to do the continuous improvement to improve those weaknesses, but uh, the strengths is always what uh, we focus on. And I encourage women to look at those. We all have strengths. Uh, like me, I was an introvert. I never spoke about them, and I still don't speak about them a lot. Um, but I think this is what you can bring differently to people, and uh, you need to leverage that. Yeah, so true. Uh, working in a lot of projects, and I'm, I'm sure bringing teams together requires the ability to um, quickly, ad I would imagine, adapt and, and to be able to work with different personalities. And, and there are people coming in and out of, of projects all the time, men and women. And so have you noticed uh, that now that you are building self-awareness and I'm sure that self-confidence as you recognise that these really are strengths and I can see them being played out in the environment, that that's also impacted just in the team itself. It really does start with yourself first, doesn't it, is to get comfortable and confident in your own skin. That's not a saying uh, that I'm sure we haven't heard before. How important has that been for you in your journey? Um it, it was very important. And uh, the, the other thing which also was important is understanding my own culture, but also understanding the culture of others. Um, you know, I worked in Dubai, we had like 34 different nationalities in the companies, and, and, and I was new to that environment completely. And being a woman, it was it was very challenging. Knowing my culture, understanding how I do things, understanding what's important for me, based on my background and, and, and my experiences and, and, and my education, and understanding what's important for the others too was very, uh, I think, was very critical for us to come to a quite of a good balance in our relations. Initially, that was my struggle as, as a new uh, joiner and as a fresh graduate. I didn't understand how that uh, was important. Moving forward, understanding the people, uh, understanding their culture, talking to them was important for me to understand what they value, to understand how they think, uh, how they do things also. That was very important to put all these uh, dots in place and be able to find common grounds where uh, we can build the strengths together. This is, goes back to the previous question, Anne-Marie. So I think understanding self is very important. Understanding others is very important. But it's not just the person. The whole culture of that person is very important. And we do things differently in different cultures. And when you know, know that, you'll be able usually to find that good balance with the relation yeah. you're having with others. You know, it's wonderful to hear you say that because one of the terms that came up or the phrases in the previous um, panel interview with the other authors was the phrase being um, respectfully curious, finding out, and it, that you just modelled that so well in the way that you approach work because you get all of these different cultures and some of those cultures, the beliefs around those cultures are held very near and dear, which may be very different from the culture that you have. So being able to be aware of that and being respectful, finding that common ground is just so important, isn't it? And, and one thing that I really would love you to speak into just as we finish, because I can really hear this coming through, that just because there may be the differences, you talked about, you know, the, the differences, focus on the strengths, focus on the commonalities, because so often when we look at the through the lens of the differences and the less thans and, and all of that, um, 
we can often position ourselves as less than others and it's not is it it's just that we are different but let's find the commonalities so that we can get the best out outcome and I'd imagine that that's something that you approach every single day with every single new team every single new project yes yes absolutely and when you were talking and something came to my mind is that even if we have that, it's important that the others understand how important it is to consider the culture of, of the team members they're working with. And I think this is a challenge. So we need everyone to look at the other in the same way, cherish what they see in that person, the uniqueness of that person, respect that person. I think this is very important. And if that is not, and that's why we say culture in organizations. So everyone has to have the same culture, regardless of what their own culture is. They need to have certain common values. And I think this is important for us to have that self-awareness and to have awareness of others. And I think this will improve the emotional uh, caution everywhere for everyone in the organization. So that's that's very important. Yeah. So establish, as you said, it's the culture with this kind of the ground rules that when you come together, these are the expectations uh, of uh, how we, yeah, how we do things. And uh, look, I'm sure we have just scratched the surface of uh, what uh, you will be sharing in your chapter. So thank you once again, Nancy, for, for sharing just a snippet of what to expect when we grab a copy of the book. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anne-Marie. All right, last but not least at all, Olga, thank you so very much for uh, sharing a little snippet behind the scenes of what you are going to be sharing in your chapter. So you are originally from Estonia and you have lived, you have studied and you have worked in Finland, in England and Kazakhstan. Did I pronounce that correctly? Kazakhstan? Yes. <laughs> One of the stands. Uh, and now, of course, you are in Australia. And this is the quote from your chapter. Nonetheless, I was able to overcome these doubts by focusing on things that gave me energy. And all was right with the world until one day someone left a comment under one of my posts. Oh, I'm sure we have all had one of those feelings. Uh, Olga, what inspired you to uh, contribute a chapter in this book? So in this chapter, I was sharing my uh, journey as a startup co-founder and I was non-technical co-founder. And at the time when actually opportunity to contribute to this book came along, I was uh, mentoring over six months period to founders. And I kind of like every year when I, I mentor a startup founders, there's generally the same um, theme with especially non-technical entrepreneurs am I the right type of founder? Because we have this preconceived notion of, and here it was interesting because one was a solo founder, amazing, amazing results, amazing traction early on with no um, advertising, no nothing, great product, great response from the consumers saying, I think I'm a wrong founder. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm not hustling 100% all the time. And I was like, but is it that even possible to hustle like that all the time as a founder? So we all come to this entrepreneurial journey with the preconceived notion of what the good founder or co-founder is. And another, the same uh, second person in my mentoring cohort was saying, again, fantastic results, great revenue organically during COVID, no advertising saying, I think we're not really generating enough revenue. I think maybe I'm not the right type of founder. And it just broke my heart. And I said, like, this is fantastic opportunity. I want to share this story because I keep hearing it every year. I'm mentoring startup founders. I hear the same question. Am I a wrong founder? 
And, you know, when we start off with those questions, similarly to what Nancy and even Anne were saying, those self-doubt can have us minimise the strengths and what we can really contribute. Mm -hmm. So as you think about the person um, that you would love to, to read the chapter, I'm sure as you were writing it, there were, you know, key things that you wanted her to or him to, to take away. So I wonder, as someone is reading your book, we're not sharing it too much, I'm sure, but what would be some of the key things that you would want her to take away uh, from that chapter? Ironically, it's actually similar to advice Anne and Nancy have already shared because I call it founder superpowers is to be that instead of using word strength, I don't know, I think superpowers because strength, anyway. So it's about superpowers, knowing who you are, being that self-aware and, for example, and not try and re recognizing those superpowers and using them to your advantage and be okay with that and measure that as an inner success yes. when because inner success is when you're actually living and utilizing your superpowers which are unique to you for the world yeah you know as you were sharing uh, about the superpowers and i reflect back to the founder that you had that conversation oh, i'm not hustling a hundred percent uh i don't know if i'm the right you know person for this this particular startup you know it, it sounded also too that this particular person was comparing themselves to other starters uh, startups I wonder how many people do you meet on a daily basis and maybe even yourself when we get bogged down in comparison? How how much do you think comparison and comparing ourselves to others keeps us stuck from recognising our own superpowers? So the funny part here, when I actually asked exactly the same question uh, from this founder, the response was actually, I never met founders who 100% hustle. So the comparison was kind of to this version. It was a person. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and I think we all have those imaginary founders or people we compare themselves which are never, never real. And that was part of the inspiration behind that chapter because I think... In, I'm, I'm an investment community, so I work um, um, with uh, the VC and uh, private equity investors, and we have this expression that success is a lousy teacher. Because when you're actually, let's say, being successful with your first company, you never know it's because of the hard work or is it because pure luck or something. But when you fail and fail miserably and you overcome that, oh my God, you become much better founder and you actually start stop comparing yourself with like these virtual uh, imaginary founders but you also the more we share those failures and pain points the warm the more we debunking debunking the myth for other people who go after us yeah that is so that's incredible isn't it that not only um are we comparing ourselves to some form of what we think we should be expecting it's it's just so way high and i love that you've said about um you know it's the failures that are the, the greatest teachers let's talk about that because i know um many of us i'm sure that if we were to share some of our failure stories and i think we all have one you know my worst business failure ever is actually the best thing that ever happened to me that's what I say because it gave me the kick up the backside that I needed to go right you know but how many people after they fail maybe one twice three some can learn from that and 
incredibly grow from that experience, but others can look at that failure and really have it cause them to play small because they don't want to experience that again. Speak a little bit more about um, the failures and, and how we can move and learn through those. I think that in itself is a huge uh, lesson for people, yes? I agree. And I think it also depends on the country we live in and the culture around failure. Because uh, in America, in US, uh, you talk about your failures, especially as a co-founder, that's actually a street cred to you because suddenly you're like not the first time founder. You already have done your failures, you learned. I remember when, and again, failure sometimes is actually failure because you haven't defined what success would have been. And that was, for example, happened with our startup. I came to the preconceived idea. I actually didn't have any idea what success would be. In my head, it was like, you know, some big exit like Facebook at the time. It was a long time ago. And even we exited, it wasn't on the terms somehow I wanted. Imaginary never spelled them out. So I felt like kind of like, yeah, I probably failed. And every time I would talk about this at barbecues in Australia, people will walk away from me because suddenly you kind of they feel like you haven't actually achieved whatever you wanted to achieve. It's changing now. It's great to see that in Australia we actually start seeing how that culture changes and people are more open to talk about the failures and the lesson they learn from, from those failures. But I think it's actually not defining what success looks like before you start the journey. That's what tripped me badly. <laughs> and I felt really, like, really miserable for a really long time. Yeah, so true. You know, it's interesting as you share that, that, uh, you know, we are becoming far more open and appreciative of people sharing their, their failures. We also have a saying here in Australia, and I think Canada relates to that, maybe even in the UK too, about the tall poppy syndrome, that uh, you can reach a, and achieve a level of success but if you go over the rest you know you're just that tall poppy but uh, I think it's wonderful when we surround ourselves with other incredible women such as you all are here and the other authors and I know the community at Business and Heels that you know we can lift each other up and celebrate all our successes uh, even those that you know women who are well ahead of us because they're really carving the way paving the way for others who uh, you know who who can follow in their footsteps so when you're talking about success then, Olga, particularly if there are other founders who are uh, potentially thinking of founding their own business or maybe they have founded a business, when it comes to success, what are some tips as we finish off that you would like to share with them? Maybe, you know, how do we um, qualify success? How do we get clear on success that you define success? Because we do want to put some form of a milestone there so that we know that what we're achieving. Otherwise, we'll never be able to pat ourselves on the back if we don't, you know, quantify and qualify them. So look, and I think it's up to individual. It's not for me to share like how it should be defined, but I'll share maybe from the founders I work with. For some founders, it's, uh, for example, was to build a product that will be sold to at least 10 customers and renewed, uh, for example, for the like next year. And was actually the main definition of success was to demonstrate that you can build an amazing product with small technical team. You don't need the big one. So you can see that founder can then take that success to like next part of their career journey somewhere else. Another definition is, uh, again, from founders I work with, is to say we want to actually 
demonstrate in the industry that we can disrupt it in a safe way without like being completely disrupted. We want to actually democratize very close to industry. So as you can see, very often it's nothing to do with the exit or valuations or dollar values. It's about just proving yourself like a journey or some kind of, and that's why I like the term superpowers because you actually have these obstacles you want to overcome. Yeah, that was brilliant because, you know, so often, as you say, that we uh, define the success on the exit or on the goal, the achievement, we neglect all of the mini milestones that we have created along the way. And I'm sure each and every one of you can agree, particularly you, Olga, working with founders, that it is the milestones, the little mini milestones that continue to build the momentum that just continues to grow and develop and when we forget to celebrate all of those small steps even if it is a a conversation with a new uh, person who can open doors to other opportunities or whatever it may be sales feedback whatever it all is contributing isn't it to the success and I think sometimes when we recognize that um each and every step that we take is is in and of itself can be a success that contributes to that momentum. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Well, let me just bring you all back in and um, here be as we finish up. Now, I know that the book is going to be available from the Business in Heels website, which is businessinheels.com. So once again, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming on the show today, sharing a snippet of the chapter. I know that uh, from speaking with you and, of course, the other authors who have contributed this morning. It is jam-packed, this book, full of insights and advice. And guess what? It's Christmas just around the corner. So what a wonderful opportunity to uh, buy several copies and give those to women who you know can be inspired and empowered. Um, to hear uh, the wonderful insights being shared by each and every one of you. So thank you all for, for coming and sharing today. Thank you for having us. For hosting us. Thank you. Bye-bye.